the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You're on with Gene and Chris on the Paracast, and we're trying to set things together. Now, we mentioned this briefly on After the Paracast last week, which is our premium show for Paracast Plus, and that is our guest, Preston Dennett really put together an incredible amount of research over the past 30 yep. years or so. But like a lot of people in this field, he makes assumptions. So, of course, the first assumption about people interested in UFOs is that they must be ET believers. If you're interested in UFOs, you're an ET believer. You have to believe in ET. You're an ET fan. You're an ET follower. We're all into ET. And ET, ET. Thank you, sir. There will never be a sequel to E.T., of course. You know, E.T. originally was supposed to be a much darker movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I, I know. I know it was. It was supposed to be really dark, and uh, he kind of got uh, persuaded not to do it. He, But still, that creature, all you'd have to do is give it one swift karate chop in the neck, and it was it's all over. Yes, but it has powers. It has superpowers. Yeah, right. You know, they could make an E.T. show for the CW or something. There you go. Well, you know, Preston Preston is a really sweet guy. I remember meeting him now. He mentioned uh, we met at the University of uh, Wyoming Cheyenne Conference with Leo Sprinkle, where I came off the podium and found out one of my best friends was dying of cancer. I'll never forget that day. But uh, Preston's a really super nice guy. He just exudes niceness. And it's it's impossible not to like somebody like him. He's very up to speed, but I'll tell you, you could scrape the naivety off him, like uh, you know, with a with a with a butter knife. I don't know for someone who has been around in this field as long as he has to maintain that soft and cuddly opinion and perspective. You know, you got to got to hand it to him. It's kind of, it's actually kind of impressive. If only I could be soft and cuddly about UFOs or about yeah. the subject. You cuddly? Uh, I guess my wife must think so, although I haven't asked her lately. Yeah, is that before or after you you have to break the TV because she's it's super glued on Fox News. Okay, now understand we're not a political show, but as soon as you get into a subject of UFOs and government secrecy, it becomes political, of course. So as our listeners know, and we're on the GCN network, and of course our major show here on GCN is Alex Jones, so it fits. (coughs) Excuse me. I have a feeling that cough was deliberate. In any case, she watches Fox News from 6.30 in the morning till, I don't know, 6.30 at night, 12 hours. Tell her to go out and... Get a job. Do something. Get out of bed. I think we're listening to Chris and his sarcasm getting the better of him. Barbara Steinberg, by the way, is a very devoted animal rights advocate. And you can find her on Facebook if you're interested. So look for Barbara Steinberg on Facebook and see what she has to say. Let's move on. That's fine. Sorry. Anyway, getting back to this crazy field. How do you investigate UFOs in the first letter U is for unidentified if you think you've identified them already? Because if you do, then you never go any further. Okay, we now know they're spaceships, and we now know, of course, that we have all these planets that seem to have 
the potential for life. But I have another question. Even though the Kepler telescope and the Hubble gave us evidence of exoplanets, we still haven't received anything from SETI last I checked. Maybe there was one case where they thought they had something, but it didn't turn out to be anything. Wow. Wow. We don't have any evidence of extraterrestrial life. Not one iota. No radio signals. Nothing. It doesn't mean that we're alone in the universe. It may be we're looking at the wrong things. We're looking at the wrong frequencies. I don't know. But I would think that after we are broadcasting everything from I Love Lucy to War of the Worlds for decades upon decades, you know, well, they barely made Judge Judy, listen to this now. What would they think of our planet that the number one syndicated daytime TV show is Judge Judy? Well, Gene, I mean, let's get real. Those original broadcasts from Nazi Germany and the original radio shows from the 20s and 30s, they've barely gotten past the first few stars. Exactly. But then again, if we have civilizations out there that are older than us, wouldn't we have some evidence of their presence? Don't they leave some footprint, a digital footprint, something? Last week, Fermi's Paradox, man. I know you mentioned that. Yeah, you would think. Um, so, what, what, you know, what can you say? People have a need to believe. Uh, obviously, it verges on some almost re- religious compulsion, um, abdicating uh, responsibility for your own, uh, you know, existence and, and your own uh, just sense of of individuality i guess uh and and going for that religious uh i need something bigger than me to believe in to make my my life feel um like it has meaning and and it's sad it's very sad but what can you do you know the human inclination uh, i think people's the average person's uh inclination is to uh, abdicate uh, control in their lives and, and worship something bigger than themselves. And because our outmoded religious structures and control systems that we've devised for ourselves over the past uh, you know couple thousand years, they, they're breaking down. People see the absurdity of fighting each other and killing each other over, you know, my God's better than your God. And so people are yearning and looking out outwards for something else and, and uh, UFOs and NETs and ascended masters and benevolent space brothers uh, and Stephen Greer have uh, much more of an appeal, I think, than, uh, than, you know, (laughs) pre medieval (laughs) monotheistic patronistic uh, belief systems. And I'm off my soapbox. Okay, so now we have the religious argument. But the point being here is that if you accept that the UFO mystery has been solved, you're abdicating your responsibility to think about the possibilities. Well, the- you know, it's, it's a look like a duck, uh, you know, it sounds like a duck argument, which to me is very thin and does not wash. And someone like a Preston Dennett, I think, should know better. I think he should be a lot more, le- you know, a lot more. Um, how would I put it? Um, neutral, and you know, he shouldn't have had his his mind made up uh, to the extent that he does. Anybody in this field who's been in the field for twenty five years, almost thirty years, needs to be a lot more objective. Now, even in his final days, although we presume that Dr. J. Allen Hynek believed in the Ichi explanation. 
he began to feel there was a lot more to it than that. Definitely. Yeah. I can attest to that because I sat there and had dinner with him one day. And we talked about it after I had interviewed him. I wish I had a recording of that interview. I've moved about 40 times since then, and I don't. That really would have been something historical. Maybe I'll find something. You know, maybe there's some cassette tape sitting here somewhere, and I'll locate it and I'll have it. In the meantime, we've got somebody here who's been around for a number of years, and he's somebody who can be very hard-nosed about things, very skeptical about things, although he does accept Roswell, and he does accept the possibility that UFOs are spacecraft. But he takes a really, really straight-ahead viewpoint, and that's Kevin D. Randall. And he's been on the PowerCast before, and we always welcome him back because he's somebody who, as I said, tries to approach the subject realistically. He also has a blog out there you ought to check out called A Different Perspective at kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Okay? Check that out. In fact, as we do our break, bring it up on your browser as you're listening to this if you're in a position to do that. In any case, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Kevin Randall is coming with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals, 
Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries, from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office. Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention, Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I was thinking here that over the years that we interviewed someone who's not here today, but somebody who's been a frequent guest on the show, Nick Redfern, I have asked him, don't you have Skype? And he can never get Skype to work on his computer. I keep trying. So our guest today, Kevin Randall, who has talked to us on the same phone number for the past 10 years. It's amazing that he has that same phone number with the way things change. I've had this phone number that I'm using, by the way, my phone number for 25 years, but that's another story. I'm old as the hills. But with Kevin Randall, he's on with Skype. You really made an investment on this, my friend. I have been Skyping for quite a while. I don't know why we have not done Skype before. I thought I had asked you at one time. And you may have, and at that time I may not have been. But I was forced onto Skype by everybody else. Every time I'd do a radio interview, they'd say, don't you have Skype? Because it sounds so much better. And so I said, okay. So I have Skype. Well, now I'm going to assign you to contact Nick Redfern and fix his Skype problem. Has he tried to Skype with you and it just doesn't work? or It doesn't launch properly. It crashes, something like that. It just doesn't do the thing. Well, I think he might have an ancient computer, and that's part of the problem. I was going to say, that sounds like a computer problem to me. Well, I figured Microsoft should work with PCs since Microsoft owns Skype and Windows, but it doesn't work. I've had a few people who run into problems with Skype. And we do occasionally, too, like, I think in last week's episode, we had Preston Dennett. you know him? I don't believe so. Okay, he's a writer from out in California who's been around for a while, written a lot of books about UFO sightings. And he and Chris are talking. But Skype disconnects for me and logs off 
but I'm still recording the show. I'm still hearing these two talk, but they can't hear me. It must be Skype didn't like the way I sounded. Yeah, that was weird. I think it's a government conspiracy. Okay, it, Hillary Clinton did it. Everything <laughs> yes. else is blamed yeah. on Hillary Clinton. Speaking of which, I wanted to ask you here, and maybe Uh-oh. you've written a comment about this. I know that our friend, Mr. O'Brien, does not like Hillary Clinton. It doesn't matter whether you like her or hate her. She has certainly been forthright in asserting that she's going to try to get information about UFOs if she becomes president. And we've had empty promises from presidential candidates over the years. What makes you think her promise is, is, has any, any sort of depth to it at all? In fact, that's the question I was going to ask, Kevin. I, I don't know why she would pander to the UFO crowd. Clearly, her husband had said many, many times he was going to get bot- to the bottom of the UFO f- uh, phenomenon, and he didn't bother to do it or didn't do it or couldn't do it or something. Uh, Podesta, or Podesta? Podesta. Podesta. He had uh, he worked for Bill, and he was going to do something, and he's been um, in and out of UFOs for quite a while, meaning the phenomenon, not that he boarded the craft or anything, and he hasn't done anything. David Kucinich had made some kind of comment like that. Uh, that was Dennis Kucinich. Did, what did I say? David? David, yes. Dennis consented. Dennis, <laughs> I can't say it at all now. Well, you know what? People don't even remember him anymore. He's that obscure. Well, no, he got outed by Shirley MacLaine. Uh, he 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 was totally backpedaling then, having to to post responses uh, to my, Shirley MacLaine. My point was simply that. Kucinich had said something about UFOs and he was going to do this, and the media just came down on him for even suggesting that. And now Hillary says it, and the New York Times is saying, "Well, wow, that's great. Let's let's get to the bottom of this." There's, she's not going to have any more success than anybody else has. Why would her presidency, if she gets elected, be able to get to full disclosure when nobody else could do it? What does she bring to the table that all those others? didn't bring to the table. Well, remember her fir- the first question that was asked of her, this would have been 3 or 3 or so months ago. You know, what if what she was going to do about the about UFOs and stuff and she said, "Oh, well, we'll get to the bottom of Area 54 in New Mexico." Do you remember that? Yes, and that was that was right on target because we all know that Area 54 is in New Mexico, but it has no relevance to anything ufological. That was my, my joke there, saying that there's an Area 54 in New Mexico that's... I, I just found that, that very telling. I, yes. I'm not sure what direction to take it, but it, it spoke volumes. Let's put it I that would way. Think, I would think that almost anybody um, in the country would be aware of Area 51, just because of the, the news media gets into it once in a while, and there's been a lot of discussion about it. A number of years ago, Russ Estes and I had a conversation... And that this would be 91, 92, something like that. And he said to me at that time, if you went up and asked 10 people, what do you associate with Roswell? You'd probably get 10 different answers and maybe not anything related to the crash. We have now come to the point where it has become such a part of our uh, cultural mythology that you see it in all kinds of stuff. You understand that Roswell is associated with UFOs. Jeopardy even had a question about that one time a couple of years ago about Roswell and UFOs. So it, it, it made its way into the uh, consciousness of the of the country. And I would think Area 51 has done the same thing. So that the fact that she blew it with Area 54 in New Mexico suggests that um, she's somehow outside uh, a lot of the mainstream uh, American conscious. 
Well, you know, people do misspeak. One time Obama during the 2008 campaign referred to 57 states, and they really ragged on him for it. Fact of the matter, this guy is out on the road seven days a week for who knows, 16-hour days, 20-hour days, and you get dog-tired and you say stupid things. And whatever we think about Hillary Clinton, even if she is crooked Hillary, as Donald Trump says, well, you know, she's not stupid. I think that's a good point, that we all misspeak at times. We get tripped up in our own syntax. We get tripped up in uh, trying to access all these random bits of information in our brains, and we sometimes just put two bits together that don't go. And we really shouldn't condemn people for making those sorts of uh, mistakes. The news media is just loves to jump on somebody for doing something like that one i mean everybody knows there's 52 states that was another joke guys. actually it was 67 i was I, thinking here that the reason he said 57 is he was eating something like french fries with heinz ketchup and that's maybe, where he got the 57 from or maybe john Kerry scared him oh that's it right there let's move on to something <laughs> Thank here you. so the point being here is that Maybe she's sincere about this because there is no upside to getting the UFO vote. I don't think. Or maybe she tried to sound more outlandish than Donald Trump, but that's pretty difficult. That's another thing, too. (laughs) Trump has not said anything about that. You'd think that his tweet machine would be going full time about (laughs) Crooked Hillary being a wacky UFO or ET believer, but he's not done it. He hasn't said anything yet. I think he's getting enough press with what he does. Says he doesn't need to uh, explore that arena at all. I, I there was oh there was something on the internet today about a woman who had just passed away, and the uh, the comment she'd made some comment that that she just couldn't stand to vote for either one of them. And this was her way out. It was in her obituary, which was kind of funny. They didn't want to afraid that you were going to have to vote for Hillary or Donald, and didn't want to vote for either one. And I understand her dilemma. Before we discuss more dilemmas, let's do our break with Kevin D. Randall. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. 
My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer Repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1 800 704 6182. That's 1 800 704 6182. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris in the PowerCast, we have Kevin D. Randall, but let me tell you about the second radio show that we do. The thing that we do is called After the PowerCast, and the only way you can hear it is to join the PowerCast Plus at plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. We have other features, which we'll go into later, but just check it out. Check out the offer, the low subscription rates, plus.thepowercast.com. We're getting updated with Kevin D. Randall, 
and we were talking about Hillary Clinton and her promise to get to the bottom of the UFO enigma by seeing what the government knows, if they know anything, we expect nothing to come from it. But Kevin, do you think, obviously in light of Roswell, that the government has a lot of stuff about UFOs? I vacillate on that question. I know if you look at the Project Blue Book files, you can see that the investigation was just riddled with incompetence or a lack of desire to learn anything at all. They miss obvious bets. They throw out ridiculous explanations. But that seems to be more of a public relations ploy than anything else. Let's get the public not talking about UFOs because we can solve everything that comes in. I'm not sure that uh, there is a whole lot to be uncovered. So uh, it, it may be that... Uh, that there isn't, there is, they aren't hiding anything. The other, the other side of the coin is, they have no motivation to disclose what they have. Why should they? If, if they have an alien spacecraft, if they've been attempting to reverse engineer it, if they have a lot of additional information, what is their motivation for revealing any of it? There, there's no, there's nothing good that can come from it. So uh, I think they'll, if if there's anything to hide, they'll just be, continue to sit on it, and and Hillary won't get any more answers than Bill did or. Any of the others who've attempted to do that. You know that they have to have quite a bit of gun camera footage, let's say, um, radar returns, uh, instrumented, uh, I think, data. But just because you know more doesn't mean that you have figured anything out. I think that they know a lot more than we do in terms of having the data. That's why they're that much more confused than the average person is about it. So the government's job is to always say they know and they're in control and they don't know and they're not in control. And so they're not going, going to admit that. So they're actually demotivated from releasing anything. Well, remember, yeah. too, the president of the United States does not have a need to know. If I'm the president of the United States, I can find out anything that I want to know. If you're in a governmental agency and I ask you a question and you tell me you have no need to know, my next response to him is, you're fired. Get your deputy in here and I'll chat with him. Yeah, but what if it's all in the private sector, all the, all the juicy stuff? Yeah, but it had to come from the government. The government has to know what's going on. If there's UFO visitation, they have to have much more information than the private sector. And there's absolutely no way you can hide that from the president. If I'm the president, I'm not going to put up with this crap you have no need to know. You may lie to me and I may be convinced by your lies that there's nothing there, which is a whole different argument. But if I ask you a specific question and you tell me I have no need to know, the next words out of my mouth are you're fired. You have a need to go. Yeah, there you go. You have a need to go. And if I'm Donald Trump, I've got a lot of practice telling people they're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Right. But the thing is here, is it also possible that certain intelligence people come to the president and explain why they can't reveal this? And they read him in the riot act showing the consequences. And that may be convincing to the president. So it's not really saying I, you have no need to know. Here is why we're keeping this under wraps. And the president may then say, that's a very good reason. Thank you very much for your honesty, and we'll move on to a different arena now. But in this case, we have Bill Clinton, who promised to look into it, and supposedly he was given some information. He would have been given the riot act, we assume. And therefore, he would know. And that takes us back to Hillary. So wouldn't he say to her, you know, maybe you shouldn't look into this? Or maybe he already told her. I, I don't know how much classified information he may have shared with her while he was president you know what what is what did they talk about 
in the their private quarters in the White House. Well, with Bill, we might be thinking that whenever he was in the private quarters, it wasn't with Hillary. Uh, that's also true. Well, the only thing he would be saying is, come on, bring her to bed. We, the three of us can have a great time. Who cares what the president does? Because if you go through, even Nixon had someone on the side I had heard once, which some people think. Who the hell would it have been? I would have, if I was female, I would want nothing to do with Tricky Dick. No, J. Edgar Hoover in drag. Oh, well, that's a whole different argument. I look at the whole thing, and I'm thinking, you know, if we if we really want to motivate disclosure, there's there's nothing to to get the government to talk to us. The only way the situation will change is if the aliens showed up and said, "Yeah, here we are," and then the government, the president, or whoever would say, "Yeah, we we've been expecting you for the last uh, seventy years." Okay, so if Roswell involved a crash spaceship and we recovered it, and we recovered possible dead alien bodies, that's Closing in on 69 years ago. All right. What have we learned from it? Is there any evidence anywhere in our society that we learned one darn thing from that? No. But if you would ask me why not, I would say it's probably akin to a modern time traveler going back to Merlin the Magician with a a VCR. And I say VCR because it's a much better image. uh, A power pack and a TV set. And you show Merlin this black ribbon. And if you know how to access it, you get pictures and sound from it. But to do that, you have to understand two things that are invisible, electricity and magnetism. And so I would think that if they've had access to a government space, or the government, to an alien spacecraft for 69 years, that they have not been able to figure out the codes, how to make the things work, what information can be derived from it. If I was to guess, I would say maybe some of our stealth technology was developed from that based on the materials used in the construction of the spacecraft. But I don't know. That's just mere speculation on my part. And it seems to me it would be the easiest thing to understand. Well, here's this material that doesn't look doesn't look like it's metal, and it turns out to be some kind of a composite that is very lightweight and is more durable to, than metal and also shields us shields them a little bit from uh, radar. But I don't know that. I have seen nothing in the society that suggests anything if it was recovered from Roswell is migrated into our technology that we're if, if we have that we're still trying to figure it out so the general assumption here is that maybe the late Colonel Corso was not playing the bag man for some Roswell technology you mean the late Lieutenant Colonel Corso okay the man who couldn't even get his own rank right ouch well but, you know, I look at it from the point of a military officer and I understand these sorts of things. I mean, if you enter the military as a second lieutenant, unless you are really a dunce, you're going to get promoted to first lieutenant. And if you're really a dunce, you're still, you know, you're, you're still going to get promoted to captain. But there's a step between the company grade to the field grade, which is a major on up. There's a larger step there. But the, most of the people who will make captain are going to make major. And there's a slight step to lieutenant colonel. Then there's a big step to colonel, and that because that's the the doorstep to uh, general officer. So for so Corso had to understand that, and he knew that he had not been promoted to colonel in any way, shape, or form. There's no evidence to do that. And when he was asked about that on his book, what he should have said is that was a mistake the publisher made, because lieutenant colonels are referred to as colonel. 
frequently. And he just should have said, the, the, the publisher made that mistake. That wasn't my mistake. And everybody would have been, oh, okay, I, I got that. When I published my first UFO book, uh, the UFO case book back in 1989, it said on the front cover, Captain U.S. Air Force retired. And everybody said, well, you're not old enough to be retired from the Air Force. And, and the joke was, actually, I was uh, because I would have had 20 years. And I joined the, joined the Army when I was 18. So I'd have had 20 years in by, by that point. But the publisher misread, you know, signing my name USAFR for reserve. He thought that meant retired. Before the sponsors retire us. Let's, okay. Let's do our break. We have Kevin D. Randall and Gene and Chris. Meaning that you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out what they don't want you to know. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. 
Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Okay, so I know nothing of military ranks having not been in the military. So the point being here is that Lieutenant Colonel Corso should have corrected the designation of Colonel. On the other hand, when his book came out, he was ill. And maybe no, he, he wasn't paying attention? No, he was saying he was promoted to Colonel in the when he retired. And he, he said, because that happens frequently. Well, it doesn't happen frequently. That's, that's another argument. He... He carried on with the lie. He said, yeah, I was, pro- I was repo- uh, promoted on retirement. That's not true. So he did know. He understood that. And he still went with the idea he was a colonel. My point was, if he'd have said, that was a mistake made by the publisher. I retired as lieutenant colonel. Everybody would have been happy. But now this is just one more problem with Corso's story about his involvement with the Roswell case and seeing alien bodies and all the other nonsense he came up with. Okay, so he just made up this for what reason? To have money left when he died so his family would do well? I mean, I, I guess the lieutenant colonel doesn't make a big salary. It, it, no, it's it's not that. The salary is designated by the government and the steps are designated. And when you are promoted from lieutenant colonel to colonel, there's not a big jump in the salary. It's actually a prestige thing. Um, because there is a big jump in prestige from being a lieutenant colonel to a colonel. So, you know, that was, that was my only thought. He wanted the prestige of being a full colonel when there's all of us lieutenant colonels running around out there. Heck, I, I retired as lieutenant colonel. That's no big deal. But um, Corso wanted, wanted to be a colonel and it thought it brought him more prestige. And in, in the end, it, it hurt his uh, overall story and his overall claims. Yeah, well, <laughs> it didn't take much to hurt his claims, but that is, I think, Kevin, I think you brought up a very telling sort of ego, possibly related issue there that may uh, also explain why he even came up with uh, with the whole Day After Roswell book to begin with. That's think, not even getting into the whole uh, Bill Burns uh, involvement, of course, of, well, of I think, co-writing. Corso, Corso was trying to sell a book called I Walked with Giants, and he had a proposal, and he was out there, and he got Strom Thurmond to write a uh, introduction based on that proposal. And I think that he shopped it around to various publishers, and they said, yeah, we don't really care. And there was a, a, maybe a, a small portion that mentioned – uh, the, the Roswell case or something about that. And they said, well, this, this is interesting. What can you do with that? And so he went, he went off the rails on that. My first article on UFOs I published, I had written an article that dealt with just general UFO sightings. And the uh, 
magazine rejected it and said, but the three paragraphs on page seven interested us. So I went back and looked at the three paragraphs and what they wanted was information on physical evidence, physical traces. So I called my good friend Carl Lorenzen and asked for some information and did some research and I got a whole bunch of cases that dealt with physical evidence and resubmitted the magazine and they said, yeah, we like this, but there's too much old stuff. We would like some new stuff in there. So I uh, redid the whole thing like that and made reference to some of the older cases and the final go around they said yeah we like that but we need more information on the old stuff so I put in all the stuff I'd taken so it ended up a longer article but it had new stuff and old stuff in it but it was driven not by what I wanted to write but what the publisher said they were going to buy and if I would do these things they would they would send me money for it so it was driven by that and I think Corso was the same same way that if he did this this and this they would be interested in the book so he did that and that's, I think that was the genesis of the book. Then they got a hack writer by the name of William Burns to help make it better. I think, well, I think the problem there is most people think they can write and they really can't. And so you need someone. I mean, if I go come to you and I, I pretend to be an artist and I say, you know, I can't draw a straight line, I, you know, you can prove that I can't. I can't do art. I can't draw. I can't paint. That sort of thing. I may think I may think I can be a great writer, and there's really nothing there that tells me that but if i'm if i can't draw i pretty well know that and i think that the one of the problems is corso thought just you know it's not that big a deal to put everything down on paper and let's run with it and i think that the the publisher said you know this isn't working and we have this other guy and we'd like him to sit down with you and kind of massage your manuscript and that was the genesis of the bill burns philip corso thing now, OpenMinds.tv supposedly has the original unadulterated manuscript. So, just for those who want to check it out, I have I have actually a copy of the proposal that they had sent around after Burns was brought into it. Yeah, but he had, he has an actual he had an actual manuscript that uh, John uh, Rao and and the crew over there. Uh, I think they published it in a limited edition uh, publishing run. Well, the thing that I know, I, I remember about the proposal is uh, Corso claimed to be a member of MJ12. Oh, he did? Hmm. Yes. Yeah. He also claimed to be, uh, was it the Joint Chiefs or uh, National Security Council? <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of an iffy thing that he may have been a, um, served on the staff of somebody who was a primary member or something like that or he was a member of some subcommittee that was a, a, associated with that i often tell people i studied astronomy under james a van allen which is the truth but it's not exactly the whole truth and nothing but the truth uh, when i studied astronomy at the university of iowa and when i say study i took it as one of the core requirements for a science um science credit uh van allen was the chairman of the department but the instructor was a guy named John Neff, who we often described as Spock's idiot brother, because he would be writing on the chalkboard with one hand and racing what he'd just written with the other hand as we went on. And and Van Allen did come down and actually chat with us once. So I did study, technically study astronomy under Van Allen, but it's not exactly the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I think Corso's claims to have been with the NSA is kind of the same thing. It's Well, it's just, it, here we go. Uh, it's just more and more evidence that the guy um, had end-of-life worthiness issues, uh, for lack of a better description. Um, and he may have been motivated to try to create some sort of, uh, you know, historical footnote for himself. I think that's absolutely correct. 
I mean, the guy was obviously a, a good officer, uh, you know, up to, <laughs> up to his retirement. You know, he played the game. He uh, he kept his uh, he kept his, um, his scandals uh, to a minimum and uh, moved up up the, the chain of command. But um, I guess once once you retire uh, and and you have you don't think you fulfilled your destiny or something, maybe maybe that could be motivation to go out on a limb and and try to create a nest egg for your family or, or whatever the motivations are. I've, I've always felt that about Corso. Well, I've always, I've always said I'm going to put on my uniform, head over to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and stand in front of the ATEC building and say, yeah, I just came in from inside and saw the little bodies. What's the big deal? You know? Ooh, cool. And can I, can I uh, take give the you a secret hidden camera to help videotape it? Uh, you, can, you can take the pictures for all I care. <laughs> But I, I, and I've seen that before. You know, we've got Lieutenant Colonel Robert French who tells these marvelous stories of his involvement with Roswell and all that stuff. And you go back and you look at his record. He had he had a much better military career than either Corso or I. I right. mean, he, he he had received the Silver Star. He had received a couple of distinguished flying crosses. Uh, he went up the chain of command fairly well. So he had a fairly distinguished career. And then he retired and went nuts. Yeah. Uh, claiming all this stuff about Roswell, and he said that he'd worked with uh, on Project Blue Book, and he said he wrote some of Blue Book, and I think if anybody was a member of the Project Blue Book staff, they'd pretty well know that it was the code name of the project and not an actual Blue Book. Uh, he said that he and a friend had invented a, a thing in the 1960s that would give you 50 miles to a gallon, but the oil companies uh, suppressed it. You know what? That's an old, old scam, though. I used to hear radio ads for devices like that. And my point is he made this claim. Uh, he made other claims as well that just simply did not. He said that he had um, he had three flying tours in Korea and seven in Vietnam. And you go back and look at his military record, and he did not become a, a fighter pilot until 1950, after 1954, when he went to flight school. So the Korean War had been ended. So what kind of flying assignments did he have in Korea if he, in fact, uh, served in Korea at that time? His, uh, his record suggests he was he served with the Far Eastern Command, which was Korea, but, but on the Air Force side, a lot of those guys were based in Japan. It was considered part of, the, part of it. It's kind of like the guys who were in Thailand and uh, other places during the Vietnam War. Uh, sort of were they were assigned to Southeast Asia. So, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, French was telling those sorts of stories, and he had a distinguished career, but he had to embellish it for some reason. And the only reason I got involved was because he started spouting off about Roswell and saying things that were just preposterous. He's not the first person who was supposedly a Roswell witness or heard about it who invented stories. I know even. Recently, you've mentioned a couple of things over a different perspective. We'll have more of this and the answer and a little bit later, some of your questions, listeners. In case you're wondering, we've received those questions from our forums at forum.thepowercast.com. Once again, that's forum.thepowercast.com to participate in discussions and ask questions of our guests. We've got Kevin D. Randall, who has written many, many books, fact and fiction, on a variety of subjects, including UFOs, and considered one of the preeminent researchers about Roswell. You have Gene and you have Chris, meaning you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kevin D. Randall joining us on the Paracast this week, and I asked a question before our break, Kevin. You've mentioned from time to time there were people, suppose Roswell figures, who made up some of it or all of it. Doesn't that make it all the more difficult to figure out whatever happened there? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. And you have to look at the witnesses and what they have to say uh, uh, about the whole thing. I just completed a book, which is due out July 16th, called Roswell in the 21st Century, where I looked at the case as a cold case. Let's go back through the notes. Let's go back through the interviews. Let's go back through all the information that's been published on this and see what we have when we're done doing that. And it is a very disheartening look at the Roswell case because you find so many of the witnesses that told the best stories were basically lying about it. Yeah. Wasn't that the idea behind the, uh, I know you hate the term, uh, the formation of the dream team? Yes. No, I don't hate the term. It just, it, it broke apart. It, what, what happened there was uh, we were all in Roswell and Tom Carey said to me one afternoon, you want to go to Church's Fried Chicken for lunch? And not being stupid, I'm not going to turn down a chance to go to Church's Fried Chicken. So he proposed to me that we write what he thought of as the ultimate Roswell book. And I said, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that myself. I did not say at the time that I had already made the proposal to a publisher. Fortunately for me, the publisher didn't want to do 
books that dealt with a single case. They like to have multiple cases. So that kind of freed me up from having to worry about what do I do now. So Tom Carey and I were going to sit down and, and do the uh, Ultimate Rosmo book. And the next thing I know, he's invited in Don Schmidt because Don was his partner and he felt some loyalty to Don. We decided that, well, maybe we ought to have David Rudiak involved because of his encyclopedic knowledge of lots of the minutiae of Roswell. Boy, he does, too. <laughs> and we wanted a skeptic, and so we, we kind of talked to Chris Rakowski about it, and he said, yeah, he'd come on board. But it all broke apart when it turned out that they weren't being exactly honest with me, so... Well, and, and the inclusion out. of Anthony Bregalia, too, I might... Well, he wasn't really a part of the dream team. Anthony is a very tenacious researcher. You know, I had no problem with, with, with Tony being involved in this thing. But it turned out, I had announced on my blog that we, would, we were forming this dream team to, to reinvestigate the Roswell case. And I'd gotten, not long after that, a, a, a package in the mail of a, a book a UFO book from a publisher. It had a business card in it, it says with you know with, with my compliments. I got home and I was looking at it and I dropped the card and it was fell on his back and he and I said if you don't have a publisher for your book let me know. I mean here's a hardback publisher wanting to do our Roswell book and I'm all for this thing. Yeah, let's get going. But Tom was busy doing a book with Don on uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base and couldn't get involved with that. And then later on, we, I discovered that they had been withholding the information on the uh, so-called Roswell slides, or the not Roswell slides, from me. We were in Roswell on, in 2012. I, we sat down to have a meeting, the three of us, Tom, Don, and me, and I said, to make this thing work, we have to have something new. We have to have a new witness. We have to have something going on that separates this book from everything that's happened in the past. They said not a word to me. They did tell David Rudiak, they showed him a inkjet scan of one of the slides and let him know about it, said nothing to me. And I learned about this through other means later on. That was kind of what broke apart the dream team was they were being less than candid with me about what they knew and, and where it came from. And it turns out I'm, I'm delighted that we severed ties before this whole Roswell thing blew up because that's exactly what it had done was blow up. And I think it's tarnished the reputation of those who were involved in it, although not to the degree it probably should have. Now, what have we learned from not the Roswell slides? Why was it so easy for some people to fall for this thing? Because when I look at it in retrospect, there's nothing there. There didn't seem to be anything there. I think that Tom Carey got caught up in his own enthusiasms. He wanted to be the guy that breaks the case open. He wanted to be the guy that says, here is the evidence. It's irrefutable. Here is what we have. In fact, he said things the skeptics are going to be crying when they see the full slides. Um, according to them, they never saw the slide. They were working from scans of the slides. And I'm thinking, there's a big red flag, guys. If you, you should be able to say to the guy, let's see the slide projected on the wall. And I think if that had happened, they'd have read the placard, which says, you know, the, the uh, uh, mummified two-year-old child. That would have been the end of the story. But they got, they got wrapped up in this story, and it's sort of ever-shifting uh, sands on how the slides came to about where they were and what investigation was being taken place. I remember one time, and it's kind of uh, uh, shown historically on my blog when it happened. I had said something about we could get the coatings off the off the slides, and I was told, well, that had been done, that they had the coatings. And I said, well, did you, if you removed them from the 
from the mounts, then you've kind of destroyed the the evidence there. So oh, you only removed one of them. And I thought, well, that was probably smart. And I said, but the coatings match. And I found out later that the coatings they said was on the slide actually referred to motion picture film and not slide film. But when you saw that slide, there were no coatings on it at all. You had a number nine and a, and a couple of things like that. So you see the whole a slide frame outside the mount and it didn't say the things that we had been told they it said and this is kind of all um, shown on the blog the real culprits in this were adam do and i forget beeson's first beeson's first name at the moment but these were the guys that came up with the slide and they were the ones that contacted various researchers and they were the ones that got tom carey and don schmidt involved there were red flags all along the way that neither Tom nor Don saw, and I think they were again caught up in this idea that we're now going, we're on the verge of proving the case. We've got a photograph of the alien creature being held in some kind of a facility, governmental facility. I, I remember being told that it had, you know, there was a green army blanket involved, in, you know, it was laying on a green army blanket things like that, which turned out not to be true when we finally saw the slides. And they made the big deal about how we've tried to de-blur or, or read this placard on the, on the slide and we just can't do it. That's because it was manipulated to the point where it would have been impossible to read it by anybody until due to prove something. Uh, the day after the great fiasco in New Mexico City uh, published one of the slides on his website and that was what gave everybody the opportunity to to blur the placard and see see what exactly it said so i mean there was a lot of problems with this thing that should have raised red flags from the very beginning and don and tom just never really seemed to see those flags they were so focused on we have the proof that they didn't stop to think that well isn't this a little odd that these two civilians wandered through this army facility and taking pictures of this display of an alien creature for some reason and were allowed to keep the camera and the film when they left the facility or are allowed into the facility with a camera and a film and how did they get the clearance to get in there? I mean, all kinds of questions you should have asked for which there were no good answers. And, and uh, I told Tom and I told Don and I mentioned it on my blog a number of times that I thought this was going to end up badly. I didn't think it would blow up quite as quickly as it did, but the minute, almost the minute that outside researchers had an opportunity to look at the slides to see anything about the slides, the, the placard was deblurred and it was answered. Tony Begalia, who you mentioned earlier, was, was instrumental in helping find the uh, documentation about the recovery. I think it was Shepard Johnson who actually FOIA'd the Park right. Service and got this long... 180-page paper or booklet on the whole history of that that the the recovery of the mummy and where it went and what it was done and how it was recovered and photographs from it from 1897 yeah. for crying out loud. And, and, and Kevin, did you know that all that took place less than a mile from my house? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I live just a mile from Montezuma's castle. Boy, I, I, you've been there, right? Oh, many times. I can see it uh, from the top of the hill, just a couple blocks oh, away. And man. and the uh, cultural center for the Avapai, um, I've been kind of quietly working uh, the back channels to uh, get in the basement to actually get a selfie. <laughs> we'll talk about the selfie. Or not.
In our next segment with Kevin Randall and Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Did you know a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-900-0684. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs with no hassle. Never have to clean your machine by hand again. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer, only available by calling one 800 900 Six eight four. That's one eight hundred nine hundred zero six eight four.
There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Ah, yes. What would our Earth be like without selfies? I don't know. I just think that one of the other reasons why people fell for this is the desperation. After all these years, we don't have a smoking gun. My heavens, this has got to be it. Well, it's even it went worse. way beyond that. When you start trying to fill a stadium in another country, I mean, that that to me is the death knell for any sort of gravitas or any, uh, any legitimacy. It's that was strictly worse. to sell tickets, of course. But, it, but it's worse than you, than you guys know. I mean, we've looked at this Roswell case and we've searched for documentation. Uh, I've been involved since 1989 and we've searched for documentation. And the only thing we have is that stupid FBI telex that tells us nothing. We've got the photographs in Ramey's office, which is obviously of a balloon and a degraded Raywin target, and an attempt to read the Ramey memo. What does the memo say? I mean, the document he's holding in his hands, and we have been unable to resolve that to the point where we can say, this is what it says. We have absolutely no positive documentation at all. Nobody wrote a letter home that can be dated. Nobody kept a journal or a diary with the exception, apparently, of Ruth Barnett, whose diary tells us absolutely nothing about Barney Barnett seeing a craft in bodies. We've come up with no documentation. We've had many, many wonderful stories told by witnesses that were deeply involved only to learn that they uh, were not involved at all and were making up their tales uh, for the 15 minutes of fame or to get their faces on television or for whatever reason. When we get down to the bottom, what we have in the Roswell case is some testimonies that are not all that exciting. The, The case has devolved to the point where it is really just another UFO case with a smaller cast of witnesses who didn't see much of anything. So what do we now know after all these years and after disassembling the testimony that's questionable today? What do we know about Roswell that we think is correct? Uh, Something fell. The government recovered it, whatever it was, and some people saw it. You know, we, we really have nothing beyond that. Uh, You've got William Woody, for example, saying, seeing something falling Uh, from the sky in that time frame. May have been a meteor, may not, from his descriptions. He went out with his father, he was a youngster at the time, to to try to find where this thing fell and saw the military cordon. So the the government had the area cordoned off for a period of time. We got a lot of stories like that and and, and stories that, that, that smack of telling the truth. But then we end up with all kinds of stuff that's irrelevant. There's a guy named uh, Lee Reeves, I think it was, who claimed that he went with uh, Frankie Rose's father out to see the crash bodies, and they drove the uh, a makeshift tanker truck thing that the Roswell Fire Department had out there. No indication of the documentation. That's true. Uh, everything in the in the uh, fire department was logged. Uh, again, it was Tony who found um, 
one of the firefighters from that time frame who knew who knew Dan Dwyer, who was Frankie Rose's father. Carl Flock mentions this guy in his book in a footnote, how he talked to three firefighters and said they didn't go out on this run and nothing happened. Yeah, I was talking to the guy and I'd get the same answers that Carl Flock had until I asked one other question. I said, do you know Dan Dwyer? He said, oh, yeah, he went out. And I said, what? And like I said, yeah, he took his personal car and drove out. I said, some colonel from the base, it's always a colonel, never a captain, never a major, always a colonel, came out from the base and told us uh, we didn't have to bother with it. They had it covered. But uh, Dan went out there in his personal car. Well, then along comes Lee Reeves, and it's not Lee Reeves. It's actually his uh, son saying that, yeah, my father went out there with Dan Dwyer. Well, Dan Dwyer didn't go out in this pickup truck tanker thing that Reeves talked about. He went out with, uh, he went in his personal car, according to the other witness who was involved in it, who I can actually put in the fire department in July of 1947. Uh, you know, you've got all of that kind of stuff going on. So we've, we've got all these people and you can line up the name of witnesses and you can go write down it and pretty well draw your, draw a line through all of them. What I learned by going back through all this material is Jesse Marcel Sr. had a tendency to embellish. The place it comes out most clearly is in Linda Corley's book, which was uh, For the Sake of My Country, where she's interviewing Marcel and his wife, and they're sitting there. She was in, the, in, in their house for like four hours uh, interviewing him about this event, and Marcel starts talking about commendations he'd received, and he began to mention this commendation he'd gotten for performing an appendectomy. Vo Marcel, Jesse Sr.'s wife, said, oh, not the appendectomy story again. But there's no combination in his file suggesting that he had ever performed this emergency appendectomy on, on some soldier while taking instructions over the radio. I mean, that sounds like something right out of Hollywood, but it also indicates that Jesse Marcel tended to embellish stuff. He said he'd flown as a pilot. I have no problem with that. Having been in aviation myself, Army aviation, I can tell people I flew as a door gunner. If you look at my military record, you'll find nothing that says I flew as a door gunner because I was assigned as a helicopter pilot. But periodically, we had to fill in other positions. I wasn't uh, on orders for as a door gunner or anything. I filled in as a door gunner on a couple of missions because they needed a, a body in the, in the aircraft. And I remember teaching the crew chief on my helicopter, having him get some stick time up front so he could say he'd flown as a helicopter pilot. So when Marcel says he flew as a pilot, I have no problem with that. When he says he has 3,000 hours as a pilot and there's absolutely no record of it, then that becomes a bit problematic. That seems like an extraordinary amount of time. I mean, I was a military pilot. I don't have 3,000 hours of flight time. Now, let's just break this down here. Okay, so when it comes to alleged bodies found in connection with Roswell, we can't nail that down. That seems correct. Is that correct? There are tales of bodies out there. There's tales told by a number of people. I am just not sure how reliable the tales are. And the majority of those stories are told by second and third hand witnesses. In other words, it's a, a family member saying, my father told me about this. And so now we've got it translated through another person. And we don't know exactly what the uh, parent said or the uncle or whomever said precisely about that. All we have it is from a third party who may have overheard a conversation, may not even have been involved in the conversation. Therefore, we're also dealing with the fact that the real Roswell stories didn't come out until, what, 30 years after the thing happened in the late 70s? In 78, uh, Jesse Marcel had been telling his ham radio buddies that he'd picked up pieces of a flying saucer well that's true it's in the newspaper he picked up pieces of a flying saucer it's just what was the flying saucer pieces he picked up 
Okay, so let's just break this down, okay? We're halfway through the show. That's why I'm kind of pushing through this. Let's look at the conclusions. Something crashed at Roswell, but we can't prove it was a spaceship. Could it have been a test aircraft of some kind? We've looked into that, and we can find nothing to suggest that. And I would think that in 1994, when the Air Force did their big Roswell investigation, had they found something that plausible, they would have trotted it out at that time. And, and they looked at that idea, as did we. I mean, I spent a lot of time at White Sands Missile Range, for example, going through their records on their missile launches, wonder if it might have been some experiment that had gone awry, because it wouldn't have been the first time something like that happened. Uh, we looked at you know, every explanation we could think of that would be classified at the time that uh, we, we might be able to get a handle on. I mean, what kind of aircraft would you have been experimenting on in 1947 that the technology wouldn't be far obsoleted? Uh, what kind of technology would not be obsolete by this time is, you know, there I am getting tripped up in my own syntax. We have more syntax to give you, ladies and gentlemen. Amazing syntax in our next segment with Kevin D. Randall and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. I'm Jesse Gonzalez, Vice President of Kmart. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies in the United States? Or that survivors can face a lifetime of serious health problems? But you can help. Join me in Kmart for the March for Babies Walk. We'll work together to raise funds for research and programs that help the marginalized fight premature birth and birth defects and improve the health of moms and babies. Start your team today at MarchForBabies.org. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Do you have dry hands or itchy, peeling skin? Are your cracked feet in need of a makeover for sandal season? Hi, my name is Diane Cook, the creator of B-Spa Hand and Foot Cream. B-Spa is all natural, 16% beeswax, marigold extract, and other essential oils and nutrients. B-Spa is great for exceptionally dry hands and feet, but B-Spa can be used anywhere on the body. I am sure you will see a difference overnight. B-Spa is the only cream you will ever need. The convenient 2.5 ounce size jar travels nicely and a little goes a long way. B-Spa hand and foot cream costs $29.99. Use promotion code 101 for free shipping. Order B-Spa hand and foot cream today at bspa.com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. 
people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have a second radio show called After the Paracast we want you to check out. And the only way to hear that show is to become a member of the Paracast Plus, our special subscription service. We also give you an ad-free version of this show with better quality audio and lots more. Get the information from plus.theparacast.com. P-L-U-S.ThePowerCast.com. We're trying to nail down what we do know about Roswell. And Kevin Randall was saying, well, it doesn't seem to have been a test aircraft. So we also can dismiss the balloon theories because there's no evidence of that. Here's what I do not understand about skeptics. They will pick apart sentences to prove that Roswell was not alien and yet they, they trot out the Project Mogul flight number four answer, and you look at the documentation, it says the flight was canceled. What part of the flight was canceled don't you understand? So there was no Mogul flight number four to drop the debris on the, on the Foster Ranch, the Mac Brazel Ranch. So Mogul is eliminated. Uh, we found absolutely nothing in the balloon records that would suggest this is it. The Weather Bureau in Albuquerque said that in 1947, they did launch, and it's in the newspaper from 1947, they did use Raywind targets on their balloons launched from Albuquerque. But the problem is, Mac Brazel said, well, I found weather balloons a number of times, and this was nothing like that. Had it been Mogul, had it been another weather balloon with a Raywind on it, it would have looked exactly like we he'd found in the past. So balloons are eliminated. We cannot find anything that suggests that a, a terrestrial explanation for the what fell at Roswell. Everybody agrees something fell. I mean, it was in the newspapers. They've captured a flying saucer. The question is, what is the definition of a flying saucer in 1947? It's certainly different than it is today. And what exactly was it they recovered? And you look at the stories, and you can see the contradictions in them. Jesse Marcellus quoted in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the second story that appeared, not the first one that appeared in the morning edition, 
talking about the debris field being nearly a, a mile wide, you know. So it's, I mean, it's a huge debris field. So even if it had it been a mogul balloon, it wouldn't have filled up that much territory. So we, we've got quotes from that time. The other thing that, you know, I, I've got in the book is there are positive things in there. You know, they, they say, well, you've got Jesse Marcel saying that if I'm in the photographs, it's the real stuff. And if I'm not, it's the fake stuff. And everybody says, well, the stuff in the Marcel photographs is the same as that being held by Ramey and DeBose. And we can all see it's a weather balloon and, and the Raywin target. But I found transcripts from a, a documentary that was done and the part that was left out was they actually showed him the pictures from the Roswell incident book and Marcel said on the tape uh, that they had the transcript that's not the stuff I found it's different than the stuff that I picked up in New Mexico so we there are things from 1947 that I was able to put my hands on that kind of negates some of the explanations being offered. So we've got some of that. We have some firsthand testimony of uh, the debris and what it was like and what it did. But the problem we run into is, especially when we get this far out now in, in, in the 21st century, you've got a lot of people coming forward with their tales. I just did a, a one on my blog about this guy named John Trowbridge, who said that he was at the Marcel House playing bridge on the night that Jesse brought them his material back and he and all the other bridge players went out and handled the debris. This is poppycock. This isn't true. There's absolutely nothing in the record to suggest there was a bridge party being held at the Marcel house on the evening of July 7th when Marcel came back. Vo Marcel said nothing about it. Jesse Jr. said nothing about it. Jesse Sr. said nothing about it. But uh, Trowbridge is out there saying, yeah, we were playing bridge. And I'm thinking, okay, you need four for bridge. And if Jesse's out on the uh, debris field picking the stuff up, who's yeah. the fourth? <laughs> yeah, who's playing the fourth? Which exactly. the answer is, well, there was a party, so there, were mo- there was one, more than one table. But you would have been short one player. So, I mean, it's nonsense, but this guy told his story, I think, in an interview, and he's on the uh, in the internet telling his story, and, and there's no critical questions being asked about it, but it's poppycock. So we're running into an awful lot of that stuff. We've got to separate the wheat from the chaff, and when we get to the bodies, it's even more difficult because of that's the real key to this thing. If there were alien bodies, clearly this is not a terrestrial ship. But the whole Glenn Dennis uh, testimony has been pretty much blown out of the water, and existence of the of the nurse uh, has never been, I think, adequately ex- proven or ascertained. Well, actually, the, the I think I think it's one of the few times that a negative was proven. We yeah, exactly. Find the nurse. <laughs> you know, here's this nurse, and we're out there. Okay, we're looking for him. We can't find it. Uh, Vic Goljubic, who did the lion's share of the work on that, managed to find a record with 125,000 nurses' names on it that served in the military in this time frame, and her name wasn't there. I know that working with a with a law enforcement officer, we searched the country for the Naomi self and couldn't find her. And once all this was demonstrated to Glenn Dennis, the real telling point was he then said, well, you guys wanted a name. I told you I'd give you a name, but it wouldn't be the real name. And her name really wasn't Naomi, Naomi self. And I'm thinking, well, that's not what you told me. <laughs> yeah. you know, but everyone I mean, knew her as Lil. You were once yelling at me because we hadn't found your nurse yet. And, cause, and I was explaining to him that, that we had been looking for Robert Slusher. That very day, I'd actually talked to a guy named Robert Slusher who'd served in the Army Air Forces during World War II, but he'd been a pilot, not a crewman like the Robert Slusher we were looking for. And Glenn Dennis says to me, oh, I know Bob Slusher. He lives over in Las Cruces. So I called the guy, and it was the right guy. 
But the point simply is, I mean, he is complaining we have not found her. And he says, I gave you guys the name and you haven't found her. Why not? So when we say to him, there is no army nurse named Naomi Self and never has been, his answer was, well, I didn't give you the right name. Well, yeah, duh. So, I mean, that kind of killed his credibility for me, not to mention some of the other things that I learned about him, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, so the question is here, do you still think then that some kind of alien spaceship crashed at Roswell, even if we can't prove there were bodies? I am very ambivalent on that now. Uh, In the book, I explain my, my point of view completely, and what we're left with is just testimonies. And one of the testimonies I find most persuasive is that from Edwin Easley, who was the provost marshal in Roswell in 1947, and a couple of things that he said to me. The unfortunate thing of that is the one time he told me about it being extraterrestrial was I did not have a recording going of it because of the circumstances, and I fully expected to be able to talk to him again. And Mark Rodiger had called me, Mark Rodiger being the director of the Center for UFO Studies, the scientific director, uh, had called me one day and he said, I'm, I've got a chance to go down to Fort Worth and I'd like to meet with Edwin Easley. And I said, great, let's get somebody else hearing this guy talk and what he has to say. So I uh, sent a letter trying to set up the meeting with uh, Easley and, and Rodiger and got a note back from one of the daughters, very elegant note, by the way, well written, uh, very articulate saying that her father was uh, very, very ill and her mother was scared to death that we were actually government agents trying to get some, some, something on easily so we could get rid of his pension. And so Mark didn't have an opportunity to, say, to interview him. I didn't get a chance to interview him again and get him to say the same things to me once again on tape. But I, I, I look at that testimony from, from Easley and the way it evolved, because I was the one involved in it, I understand exactly how it worked, uh, I find it very persuasive. And when he, so when he talks about it being extraterrestrial, you know, I, I put some credence to what he has to say. Patrick Saunders, who was the base adjutant, another of the high-ranking members of a Blanchard staff, when he got copies of, of both the, the UFO crash at Roswell and the truth about the UFO crash at Roswell, wrote on the flyleaves of the book, you know, here's the truth and I never told anybody anything and signed his name to it. Well, here's an interesting bit of documentation. Granted, it's long after uh, 1991 when the books came out, but the page he wrote on was how they had changed records and uh, changed serial numbers and all this stuff to kind of cover the paper trail of this. So, I mean, here's somebody else whose motivation is not to get his name on the news in the newspapers, not to see himself on documentaries, not to boost his military career, but saying something very interesting to members of the family. And I don't think he expected any of us to ever see it. And it was just one of the friends who had sent me a copy of this, which is why I I knew that. And I got a very nice letter from his uh, Saunders' daughter about this and and, uh, she telling me that that he had told her that uh, they had done a wonderful job of, of hiding the paper trail. We'll have more with Kevin Randall and Gene and Chris. And some of your questions, listeners, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at emberlit.com. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Purchase a ProPure system during the Crazy May sale and get a free ProMax shower filter or water filter pitcher. Remove up to 200 contaminants with the Pro1G 2.0 truly cleanable, reusable filter. We don't stretch our claims. We just deliver performance. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com.
This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Kevin Randall, let's summarize this here. All right, there's no way, based on everything you said, that it could be a balloon. No way it can be a test aircraft. But you're ambivalent about what happened there, what crashed. Because we can't prove that it was alien either. The skeptics often say extraordinary claims re- require extraordinary evidence. My response to that is when you've eliminated the impossible, whatever left or what, whatever is left, no matter how improbable, is probably the answer. Well, we've eliminated everything else. but So we have no answer. We don't know what fell. We cannot find a terrestrial explanation for it. Does that take us directly to the extraterrestrial? No, it's kind of a side road, but we're getting there. So if you say to me, what is your proof? I can give you some testimony. I have very limited documentation, and I have an awful lot of of people who have told us lies. I have those pictures taken in Fort Worth that are clearly a balloon and a Ray-1 target. So when you put all that together... You know, where, where do you come down? And I, if you want to know, can I prove it was Ross? Well, no. But if you, if you look at the book, it lays all the evidence out that I find to be credible. And it lays out the stuff that, you know, tells you the story of how this came about and why some of this information is not reliable. And we discussed the Frank Kaufman nonsense in there. Kaufman being the guy who claimed, yeah, I was involved in this super secret group of nine people. And we, we went out there and we recovered it. And we did a very good job of hiding it up, hiding it and when we get down to the bottom of it we learn Kaufman is faking it he he did he even um changed his just discharge papers to show us to prove that he had really been a master sergeant was trained in intelligence and we when we got the actual documents we learned he'd been a staff sergeant and he'd been trained in administration well you so, see the long and short of it from what you're saying is that for whatever reason Roswell took on a life of its own became a myth and became a legend shorn of what might have really happened and probably therefore doesn't deserve all the attention but if you ask anyone do you remember any ufo case anybody more than likely if they remember anything they'll say roswell it's all about roswell nothing else happened just roswell because roswell if it went down as it's been alleged to have gone down would have been the proof you would have had everything you need to prove that it was alien, that it was extraterrestrial. You would have had a craft. You would have had bodies. You would have had everything you needed, and it's right there, and you're talking to people says, yes, I was there. I saw it all, and this is what I saw. And that is why it blew up the way it did is because there were literally 1,500 witnesses, and I say that because uh, I think that's how many people were in the yearbook that Walter Hott produced in 1947. Here is a whole list of witnesses who might have been involved. And we've talked to some of them. Uh, I talked to an MP, for example. I said, well, did you go out there? He said, no, I wasn't involved. But, you know, my friends were. And I can't remember coming into the barracks one day after the newspaper came out. Or they, they, they telling me about picking up the flying saucer. And he didn't believe them until the next day when the newspaper came out. And then he saw the headlines. You know, 
how, how good is that story? Well, it's a guy telling us that he remembered his friends being involved in this sort of thing. So we're, we're stuck with that sort of thing. But the potential was there to answer the questions, to force disclosure completely because, you know, how can you deny this? Because here is the evidence. And when we, when we sit down and we look at the evidence, it's not nearly as robust as we had believed it to be. Yeah, here's a, a good question from one of our listeners, Kevin, uh, and for all you listeners out there, if you'd like to uh, post questions for our guests, go to forum.theparacast.com, sign up and post your questions. And this is, you know, going in a different direction with all this as we wrap up this Roswell section. But William Strathman is asking, in, in the mid-1947 uh, period, the Soviets were just beginning production of their TU-4 clone of the B-29 superfortress. And surely the U.S. knew of this, or at least suspected, uh, a Soviet atomic program. So he says it seems highly reasonable to assume that U.S. intelligence would have suspected that Soviet agents were monitoring the 509th Bomber Group at Roswell for any and all intelligence they could get. Then, just weeks before Roswell, Kenneth Arnold's sighting electrified the U.S. media. So this is his question. Is there any possibility in your view that the Roswell event and the media coverage that was immediately shut down could have been a U.S. counterintelligence operation to tweak U.S.-based Soviet agents in order to try to uncover communication trails. And I guess James Carrion came up with this suggestion. Uh, what, what's your take on, on that possibility? That makes more sense than the other, the other side of it where somebody claimed that it was what crashed at Roswell was, a, was the TU-4 bull, which was the Soviet-stolen version of the uh, B-29. Because it just didn't have the range to get from the Soviet Union to Roswell and back, so it would have been a, like a suicide mission or something right, like and that. Right, and the, the debris field would have uh, looked a lot different. And, and, and the guys would have said, you know, this, uh, there's, there's Cyrillic lettering on this, but this looks an awful lot like a piece from a B, B-29, because they copied the darn thing, which, by the, by the way, was a, was a wonderful piece of it, reverse engineering, and when you get right down to it. But there's, there, there's absolutely no evidence that, it, that what fell was that. Um, it, it, it's an interesting idea that, that it was a counterintelligence ploy, but um, – Some sort of honeypot. <laughs> yeah, I just – I'm just not sure. It just doesn't seem like it would be something that would – you would want to do because what you're doing is drawing more attention to the 509th Bomb Group and to its higher headquarters, the 8th Air Force. So they're the only – the 8th Air Force commands the only – uh, atomic strike force in the world at the time, and I'm not sure that you want to draw attention to those specific places, even though the Soviets would be aware, well aware of it, and that sort of thing. Um, so you're 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 kind of it's kind of counterproductive to do that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting theory, and not not the wildest that I've ever heard about this. You know, I've read, I've read some of Carrion's stuff and I think he makes a couple of leaps in logic that just aren't there, but it's interesting. It's an interesting theory. He is coming out with a Roswell book eventually. Aren't we all? Well, speaking of which, <laughs> two of your former colleagues came out with children of Roswell. And oh, I thought God. for a moment, this is like having too many sequels of a movie. So it's going to be, the main movie, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, after Iron Man, before the next Iron Man, Children Iron of Man Iron Returns. Man. 
Iron Man returns once again. Right, exactly. And that's what Children of Roswell. What is in that book that anybody cares about? I have no idea. I haven't read it. I don't plan on buying it because uh, I don't want to tr- contribute any money to that uh, sort of nonsense. Um, and, and the idea that somehow the children were traumatized by their parents' involvement in Roswell seems a tad bit ridiculous to me. But um, you know, I, 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 when, when I looked at uh, you know, doing Roswell in the 21st century, it was looking at the evidence that has been presented over the last uh, 30 years or so. And where is that evidence? What has not been talked about that um, maybe should have been talked about earlier? Can we draw some conclusions from that? But going forward, uh, um, you know, in their, in their last book, Witness to Roswell, we've, I found, I shouldn't say we, I found a number of witnesses who just don't seem overly credible to me. Uh, Lee Reeves being one of them, by the way, uh, the firefighter who went out with, Frankie Rose father. So I, I don't know I don't know what it is. I've done the um, Roswell in the 21st century because what I wanted to do was set the record straight or as straight as possible at this time, you know, kind of um, take out all the, the sensationalistic testimony that is clearly untrue. Yeah, and, call the spades spades. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here's what we know. And you know, um, I would have been hesitant to do this before Jesse Jr. passed away, simply because I knew the reverence he held his for his father, and I wouldn't wanted to do anything to kind of upset that apple cart. But at this point, you know, looking at what Jesse Marcel said to Linda Corley and to other researchers, you know, his testimony becomes a little bit problematic. Um, so, you know, we, we, we need to look at those sort of things. What about Walter Hott? I mean, here's the guy who's kind of instrumental in this whole Roswell case. What do we think about his, his affidavit that, it, that was produced after he passed away? Um, you know, is, is, there, is that sensationalistic? Is it to keep the myth alive? It, what, what is the purpose of that sort of thing? So I tried to look at all of that stuff and bring it to the forefront and say, you know, here's what we know. And when we get down to the bottom of it, we have no explanation for what fell at Roswell. And even if Carrion is right about it being some kind of communications ploy, something still had to fall at Roswell to, to initiate this whole, whole, whole thing. But, um, you know, what, what are we left with when we boil it down to its essence? And that's what I tried to bring about in the book. We're left with a mystery that we'll never solve, more than likely. We've got more to come with Kevin Randall, and we'll get into that and move away from the R word. Wouldn't that be great? Every time we try to move away from the R word, people still dig it. I don't know. With Kevin Randall and Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to dreamhost.com radio, dreamhost.com radio. Join me, George Norrie, at Joshua Tree, California, June 3rd through the 6th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, a weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. Featuring Graham Hancock, Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and Eric Von Donneken, and so many more. For information, go to contactinthedesert.com, contactinthedesert.com, or 760-365-8371. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Kevin Randall, how do we get away from the R word, this emphasis on Roswell? You hope that maybe with this new book, that closes the book on it to be redundant until something comes along, assuming nothing comes along, it's the end of it? Unless the government <laughs> comes, comes forward and says, yeah, we got a spacecraft, pals. Here's pictures of it. Here's photographs of the bodies. Here's the documentation. You can tour it at this location. Uh, we're pretty well done. I think we need to move to the L word, which is level land. A series of sightings taking place in November of 1957 where you had the craft interacting with the environment. You had independent witnesses coming forward telling about their encounter with this thing within minutes of one another in in separate locations unaware that anybody else has been seeing something you have law enforcement involved in it you had the possibility of a landing trace on a ranch north of of level land you had everything you needed in that case as well plus more to kind of solve the riddle and the air force and don kehoe at at the national Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena were so busy arguing over the number of witnesses and what really happened that the investigation kind of stalled at that point. But here's a case that, unfortunately, now we're more than 50 years away from it. So we're, we're in the same boat we are with Roswell. What is interesting is, and Carl Flock and I talked about this periodically, was how we don't have the same kind of robust cases that we had in the late 40s, the 50s, and even into the 60s. We have, we're, we're stuck with uh, things like Stevensville and the O'Hare case, which isn't, isn't all that dr- dramatic uh, when, you, when you stack it up to some of the other UFO cases. So to move away from the dreaded R word, and, and I get sucked back into it, even though we do, we need to start looking at some of these other uh, cases where there is uh, a lot of information, a lot of witnesses, a lot of 
facts that we can we can settle down on as opposed to some of the things that we found in other cases. Now, well, there are theories in the part of some people here that the reason we don't see a big focus on current cases that is that more than likely whatever caused the UFO phenomenon left us and that all or most current sightings therefore have conventional explanations. Is there a case in the last 20 years that it is as compelling as the ones in the 1950s, 60s, etc.? I'm thinking. I realized I was not filling the air. The Phoenix Lights I, case is pretty compelling. Uh, but I don't, I don't find it as, com- as compelling as those cases from the 50s and 60s. And that was, that was the, the, the one I was going to come up with, the Phoenix Light. Maybe, maybe the Belgium cases, because right. you had a lot of uh, military involvement in there and you had a lot of witnesses. And, and again, the, the, the famous picture of the, the triangle turns out to be a hoax uh, by a, a photographer who has admitted the hoax, but a Rendlesham Forest, maybe, from 1980, might get there as well, because again, it's, it's military and you've got, some, you've got positive documentation from, from the halt letter to the, uh, his auto recordings of what was going on in the field that night to uh, some of the very credible witnesses. Uh, John Burroughs uh, was just labeled 100% disabled by the government because of his uh, exposure to radiation during that case. We had him on with his lawyer explaining how it came to be. That would be the first time that the government has acquiesced to a request of, uh, you know, for deformities and and, uh, disabilities and and that sort of thing based on interaction with something unknown or a UFO for all practical purposes. And then then there's some of the work that uh, Robert Hastings has done on his um, sightings with uh, mis- missileers and uh, things like that. There's some, some interesting stuff in, in what he has to say. So it, it's out there, but they just, you know, Rendlesham does have sort of the gravitas of the other R word, but nothing really comes close at this point. But, you know, I would like to see more work done on level land. I think that's a fantastic case. Um, Rendlesham Forest, uh, but you've got the people, you've got the people still around who can talk about it, like like uh, uh, Jim Penniston, uh, uh, Charles Halt, John Burroughs, and some of those people. What do you make of Penniston's binary code, though? Uh, That's always really kind of throwing a monkey wrench in the whole thing, as far as I'm concerned. There, there are some things that are, are are disturbing about it, like there are in any UFO cases. I mean, there's always some disturbing stuff that comes out. Uh, I think Penniston is relating as best he can what he remembers. Yeah. But then you get into the point of of uh, um, precisely what does he remember? And we're now we're what we're thirty some years away from that. Thirty six right. years, is that right? Thirty six yep. years. Yep. From that case, so now we're dealing with deco- decades-old memory, and from, and, and I think here's one of the problems that that, that touches on what we were talking about with, with uh, not having the robust cases. I think we've become more scientifically sophisticated, and things that were perplexing in the 40s and 50s we now understand as natural phenomena. One of those things, like Charles Witted, the one of the cases that a lot of people hold in high esteem, you know, the t- airline pilots who saw a cigar-shaped craft whip by their airliner early in the morning in 
uh, in in the 1940s. I think what they saw is a bolide, and I and I look at the the video footage we have of bolides, and we see that sort of thing, and we have the Zon Four reentry where some of the people. I mean, we know exactly what it was, but some of the people drew cigar shaped craft with lighted windows along the side, exactly what Charles Witted had seen. So I mean, I, I find that evidence compelling that they saw saw a bolide. So I think that's part of it. We we look at these cases and we say, well, clearly that's Venus. I mean. That's well, Venus. Okay, does that mean that possibly all or most of the unknowns with regard to UFOs do have conventional explanations and now we have a better handle of what might be going on? Does that mean there are any real UFOs at all, are there? I think there are, and I think I think Leveland is very compelling. Lubbock, the Lubbock Lights, uh, if, if nothing else, the photographs of the Lubbock Lights is very compelling. I, I think... You know, and, I, and I've said this in the past as well, that that if you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and look out the window and you see a light traveling across the sky, you know, is that is that an alien spacecraft or is that some private pilot with his landing light on? And because it's a private plane and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and there's nobody else to see it and the wind is blowing the wrong direction, all you see is the light from it. You don't see the navigation lights or the what we call the anti-target lights, the, the anti-collision lights on it. So you now you have a case that can't be explained. You got a guy flying around at 3 o'clock in the morning without a flight plan because he's flying VFR and... Uh, there's no way no, no way to pin it down. I had a photograph, a series of photographs taken in the Amana colonies. And uh, we, we made all kinds of measurements and calculations. Well, it's flying too slowly for an airplane, so it's got to be something else, you know. And I went back and looked at the map and looked at the plot because there was foreground detail in it. We could, we could figure it out. And I said, well, you know, if it's flying at an angle, it might seem like it's traveling this at a slower rate, but it's traveling actually a lot further because you're seeing it at an angle. And then Russ Estes and I got together and uh, using modern computer equipment and what we had available to us, we were actually able to see at the head of the streak of light, we were actually to pick out the airplane. So here was a case that had been unexplained since I had got it until the point where we figured out that A, it wasn't traveling too slow to be an airplane, and B, we actually were able to resolve one of the pictures to the point where we could see the airplane. So I, I think there's a lot of that going on in today's environment. We're explaining a lot more, but that doesn't mean that some of the cases where you've got multiple witnesses and they get a good look at the object and it, it interacts with the environment, it can be explained in the terrestrial. I cannot think of an explanation for the Leveland cases. And then uh, within hours, and just a couple of hours, you have witnesses at White Sands Missile Range, military policemen, seeing the same, th- seeing something similar to that. So you've got a, a, this wonderful series of sightings taking place on November second into November third. You know, late at night, early in the morning. Uh, that that really is inexplicable yeah. a- at this point. And, and as I say, you know, we we all agree that something fell outside that town. We don't want to mention anymore. We just don't know what it was. Let me ask you a question here, which we'll take to the next segment. And it troubles me because we had interviews with Whitley Strieber in recent months. We talked to Preston Dennett last week. And this is the A word. I'm going to ask you about briefly, and we'll do it on the other side when we come back with the next segment. Why do people still accept Aztec as a possible UFO crash? We have Kevin Randall who will answer that. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. 
first came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. I'm Nick Sobolewski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shot for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. 
Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're finished with the R word in all respects. Now the A word, Aztec. Why do people still believe that? I read the original edition of the book from Scott Ramsey. He was on the show with his wife. We had Frank Warren on talking about it. There's a new edition of the book, which has some minor refinements, I gather. It seems so threadbare to me. I think Chris agrees. Why do people still accept it? I guess Stanton Friedman does. He wrote the intro to the book. Whitley Strieber, Preston Dennett. Why? Well, Stanton Friedman will write the introduction to any book as long as he gets his name out there and you can say nuclear physicist. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I, I, you know, I asked Stan about that. Uh, I, I said, Stan, really Aztec? And he said, yeah, really Aztec. They've got some wonderful research. And, and so I read the book. and I'm thinking, what wonderful research. They they've, they've didn't even talk to the guys. You know, some of the witnesses they, they, they claim they, they had. Uh, Doug Nolan, for example, may not have worked for the National, El Paso Natural Gas Pipeline in 1948. It came up on my blog uh, in the last month or so about Aztec, and one of the commentators said, well, you know, it, it's pretty well nailed down to March 25th, 1948, and I'm thinking, I don't remember that. I remember a number of people saying it, but I'm, I'm thinking that the, the, the date isn't, is, is pretty fluid. We don't really know when the darn thing crashed, if it in fact crashed. And uh, I just um, communicated with, with uh, Frank Warren about that because I figured if anybody's going to have an answer to the question about the date, it's going to be Frank Warren. And uh, he said that uh, the date's pretty fluid. Uh, he's heard as late as spring of 1949, and he thought it might be somewhere early in March of 1948, but he didn't have a firm date. There's not a firm date in Scully's book, uh, Behind the Flying Saucers. I do not know why people are happy with that case and why they believe it. I just can't find anything compelling about you, it. I, I have a theory about that, Kevin. Uh, good, please. I, I think um, there's um, some real, how would I put this? There's a an effort to take the glitz and glamour of the town of Roswell and the fact that they've created a whole, you know, a very lucrative economy based on the UFO subject. And I think there's a there's a movement within the state to move that emphasis to the north end of the state. If you look at this um, uh, Dulce-based uh, conference that's going on, I think this coming weekend with Anthony Sanchez and his UFO Highway Colonel X BS. Of course, Linda Howe's there. She gloms on to everything. Uh, Barbara Lamb. Uh, the Hickory Apache have decided, I think, to buy into the myth of the Dulce alien base and try to create kind of an up, upwelling of interest and and, uh, and expectation. And then the next town over is Aztec. So we have this movement, I think, to to get the tourist dollars to, uh, instead of go south, 
to Roswell, maybe kind of lurk around White Sands to to go north and go to Dulce and Aztec so that these uh, struggling communities uh, can get a new uh, economic base uh, with which to uh, capitalize their uh, their tourist dollars uh, coming into their communities. I hate to sound jaded, but I... <laughs> well, I, if I can mention the other A word, which is Aurora, Texas, their crash from 1897. What's interesting about that, which kind of fits into what you're saying, is A, the original story was apparently published to, to draw people into the Aurora area because the economy was, was slipping. Well, the railroad had, had bypassed them. Yeah, and they were having having other troubles. So but let's I, have a flying saucer land in 1897. Oh, well. well, but there's a lot of stories going on in 1897 about the great airship, the great airship. You look at the newspapers, you know, there's an awful lot of information about that going on in newspapers. And it's getting, it's falling out of the sky all over the place. It's landing. They're talking to the crews. A lot of time the crew is saying, well, you know, we're on our way to Cuba to bomb the Spanish uh, because this was just prior to the Spanish-American War. But the thing about uh, Aurora is I was there. Because I was stationed at Fort Walters, Texas, and I had an interest in UFOs, so I drove up to uh, Aurora, which wasn't all that far from, from Mineral Wells, and was talking to the people. And I talked to the peop- uh, a number of the residents who'd been alive in 1897. They said nothing happened. They're just, you know, I, we don't know how this came about, but there's nothing to it. And uh, two or three years later, I see the same people on documentary saying, yeah, um, I saw the uh, remains of the spaceship. Uh, excuse me? You know, what, what, what happened here? So they, 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 they've glommed Ouch. onto it. And I think Aurora's sort of done the same thing. There's been any number of documentaries about it. But the, the, the really telling evidence there is there were two books that were written within 10 years of the um, crash in Aurora based, you know, his, history of, of Wise County, Aurora being in Wise County, Texas. And neither one mentioned this event. I'm thinking that if it's, even if it was just a regular terrestrial airship that blew up, here is here is a story that would have made it into either one of those histories, and it's not into either one of them. And so I think that you know that the people realize that they see how successful the the Roswell story has been and how beneficial it's been for the city of Roswell. That um, they're thinking that you know if we can we can establish something like that here in our town, you know we'll draw in some of the tourist dollars and and make some of that money. So yeah, I, it's a very plausible explanation as far as I I can see. Well, where do you come down on the, uh, you know, if, if if Aztec is tenuous at best, I mean, I mean, that's even giving it more credit than it's due. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's no mention of the case pre, uh, pre-Scully. And, you know, we tried to point that out to 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 the Ramses and, and they just kind of glossed over that. But just down the road, I mean, we're talking, you know, the next large town to the to the east basically is Dulce. Where do you come down about uh, Dulce? Do you think that there's any evidence to support uh, the original Benowitz contention and uh, all these characters that have come forward every few years? Thomas Costello, Myrna Hansen, uh, Tal Levesque. Even John Rhodes has gotten involved, and and you can go down the line. Of course, the latest being Anthony Sanchez and his his uh, Colonel X, who's been totally discredited. Where do you come down on that? I mean, well, what is that? You understand that that I was at one point um, with the military police and the army. Yeah, and and I was assigned actually signed to that base. Really? I, was involved, well, I never did that. that. Gun, I was involved <laughs> in that big gunfight. What, what time frame? Um, who cares? 
when they had the big gunfight, you know, that uh, What's-His-Face was talking about. Phil uh, Snyder, of course. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, was in, I was involved in that. So gunfight. you were there in the 70s? Oh, hell yes. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, this is great. I'm loving it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, that's, that's just it. I mean, it's just a, a utter load of crap. And people are, I don't know why they would want to buy it. Well, the Hickory uh, Apache have, have brought in all the myth makers and myth perpetrators and, and uh, you know, myth apologists and, and, and the like. And originally, they wanted a real conference. There's not one person talking about Benowitz. There's not one person talking about Project Gas Buggy and the uh, nu- 47 megaton nuclear explosion just south of town to free up gas that irradiated the whole uh, groundwater system there. There's not one mention of the Hickory Apache's own traditions about underground dwelling beings. And to me, it just seems like a, a desperate gasp to uh, to try to, uh, you know, I don't know, kick... Uh, make the make money. It's, it, it, yeah. it's an attempt to make money. And I mean... We can go to Mexico City and look at the big, big not Roswell slides fiasco. Oh Jesus! I, well, I managed to get away from it. It's not Roswell slides, but I mean, really, what was the purpose there? We know the purpose. Why do we have to even go into it? We got more to come with Kevin Randall and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Visit GCNlive.com today. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step one, stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything, your home, your car, even your life savings. Step two, call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from incorporate.com. 1-800-941-5257. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-941-5257. Step three, congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-941-5257. That's 1-800-941-5257. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. 
people who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 pain relief hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait you can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Chris is giving you his exasperated stinger. Because I I went to Roswell Slides? You know what? I understand that Chris develops his voice, and eventually, after two or three episodes, he becomes a Dalek. No. No. Really? Ah, no, I don't want to Exterminate. do that. Oh, I don't know anything about Doctor Who. I have Who? never seen a single episode. Oh, please, just go watch it. BBC America, you can get it online. <laughs> I'm too busy, Gene. I can't sit around and watch don't, TV all day. Don't watch, don't watch the later episodes. Watch the, the, the original incarnation of Doctor Who. Those are the good ones, because they're a really camp. <laughs> I got to draw the line somewhere, and boy, it's far short of that. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who? Yes, precisely. He's on first, by the way. They actually did that. There's a skit out there where they're trying to do the who's on first with Doctor Who. Speaking of sightings that are recent, <laughs> let's go to two cases that we've discussed in the PowerCast over the years. Kevin, do you feel they are legitimate cases where that maybe they have conventional explanations? I know you mentioned it in passing a couple of three segments back. 2006, O'Hare International Airport, November 7th. Do you think that sighting has any consequence? It is interesting because of the number of witnesses. It is interesting because of some of the information provided and the um, way the cloud formation was disturbed by the craft apparently raising up through it. So there's some interesting things there. But uh, I think there more uh, research needs to be done to see if there isn't a conventional explanation for some of this. Because I've seen some really weird stuff 
that um, and, and and the best example I have is I was looking up and I it, it, it night one time and thought for sure I saw, was looking at a dome disc because of the pattern of lights on it, and then I heard the jet engine roar. The plane turned and I could I could see the configuration right, but but for a a few seconds it looked like a dome disc, and so. You can be easily fooled by something if you only get a brief look at it. So I think when we talk about sightings that last, you know, less than than ten seconds, we're really not getting a good description of this. But O'Hare lasted longer than that. It's one of the world's busiest airports. Where are the photographs? Where's the video? There's photographs yes. online that are like Billy Meyer beam ships photoshopped in. But but where's the real good, solid, irrefutable physical uh, photographic yes. evidence? And, and I and I and I've said and I've said the same thing on my blog with everybody having a cell phone with a camera in it now. How come we're not getting UFO sightings where you've got photographs from multiple locations? You know, you got one guy with a cell phone over here taking a picture. Well, you know that can be easily photoshopped. But if you've got like five or six people at five or six different locations, then you've got some evidence you can you can get your uh, hands on and, and figure out what's going on by triangulating all of that. Don't you know, Kevin, yes, that 99.99999% of smartphone users are looking down, not up? <laughs> Touche. No, no, they're not looking down. They're looking at their cell phone because they keep walking into walls and tripping into fountains and falling down <laughs> holes. So they're not looking down either. But yeah, Well, I they're looking down that. at their smartphones. But but the other point is, I mean, do you, don't you have a smartphone? Yes, but I don't walk in the street looking down at it. Yes, my point is there's are there are people out there who are not looking down that have it in their pocket and waiting for it to ring or something. And if you see something in the sky, you whip it out and take a photograph. There are no robust photographs like that. And with everybody having a camera at their disposal, you would expect us to get a sighting like that. And when you start talking about the radar, I mean, our stealth technology pretty well negates the problems with the radar, not to mention the object was apparently in what I think of as a cone of silence over the airport. The radars are all looking out for stuff coming in. They're not looking directly overhead. So you know, so somebody might have known that. I knew it. So, <laughs> if you were but, communicating with the UFO at the time. The other yes. set of cases is 2008 Stephenville, Texas, which is notable because of its proximity to the Bush Ranch. Yes. And there apparently were intercepts, attempted intercepts, which raises an, another level. I think the Air Force denied that they attempted to intercept anything, but later said, yeah, we had aircraft in the area. Uh, I believe it's on one of those corridors where you can fly really close to the ground and you can fly really, really fast. Most places you can't do that, but there are corridors set up for training purposes so that the jet pilots can um, sharpen their skills in doing that thing. I know I know the, the one thing that we always like to do as helicopter pilots was fly what we called nap of the earth, which was really, really down close to the ground and dodging around objects on the ground and that sort of thing because that's really – that was really fun to do, not not to mention it was dangerous, but that was something we like to do. With a helicopter, we can do that because we can't break the sound barrier. We don't make all that much noise, and we're gone quickly. But with a jet, uh, there's only corridors, but there's a corridor near Stephenville where you can do that sort of thing, which might account for some of the sightings, but you would think the people in the area would, would be aware of that. And then I fall back on my experience. I remembered I was investigating a UFO, series of UFO sightings in Grant County, Wisconsin. And I was standing in the sheriff's office. 
and they got a call from a guy who was just panicked that there was a UFO landing in his backyard. And one of the deputies said to me, you want to go? And I said, of course. I got my camera here. I'm ready to go. And we went rushing to his yard uh, house and he came met us and he went talking, took us in the backyard, pointed to this light in the sky and said, see, it's going to land. And we said, yeah, uh, but it's on a TV tower. Okay. Now, the official skeptical explanation of Stephenville. The untrained witnesses, observers were seeing nothing more than F-16s and flares. What do you think? I, I just, I just don't think so. I think that if they've got, they, they had enough chance, they had a chance to look at it for a long period of time. That yeah, they, there are too many witnesses. You know, if you go to the Phoenix Lights, there's one movie uh, or a video that you see, and you see the the thing sort of winking out, the, this chain of lights winking out as it as it moves and when you superimpose the mountains on that nighttime footage you see that the the lights are actually the the flares are actually falling behind the mountains which explains why they're winking out but there's an awful lot of sightings where it's just not easy to explain and i think you know when you start getting into this the the flare explanation that seems to now be sort of the standard operating procedure for that. I've yeah, seen but an Luke, Luke put up those flares, flares 45 minutes after the, the event had, had occurred. Uh, the object was almost a Yuma at that point. <laughs> you mean in Phoenix? Yeah. The Maryland National Guard was dropping flares that night. Yeah, so, but not 45 minutes. I'm saying, I'm, saying, I'm saying you've got one, and it's kind of like when we, when we talk about abductions, and I say I've invested this one case in Utah, and I'm convinced that it's sleep paralysis this woman suffered, and then I get all the hate mail saying, oh, sleep paralysis doesn't explain this sighting or this sighting or this, and I'm saying I never said that. I said it explains this one case and may explain some others. It does not explain yeah. them all. I'm saying this one bit of video, video footage of the flares, the lights disappearing one by one, is is clearly flares falling behind the mountains. Right, but I was in Casa Grande in a hotel, in a motel room, and I heard this this hooping and hollering outside. I was in watching the NCAA, uh, I think it was the Final Four. I think ASU was in in the finals that year. I I forget, one of the Arizona schools. I was there working, actually, uh, doing an Adobe job. And I went out, when when the newscaster came on with the flares behind him, uh, you know, sometime later, half hour, 40 minutes later, I went outside and everybody says, oh, you missed it. It flew over. We saw it go right south towards Tucson. Now, it's kind of hard for me to argue with that. And I'm not arguing with that. I mean, well, I. No, I, it's I, hard for me to argue with that. I, you know, I, I actually was there. Yes. And, and, and it did fly over. I'm not arguing that point. Some 40 miles south of Phoenix, 50 miles south. I'm not arguing that point. I'm saying, this one, I'm saying this one specific, this one specific videotape. There's other videotapes. There's other sightings that were very good, and of a of a of a triangular shaped object flying over the area. I, I I'm not arguing that point. I'm saying one specific, one specific um, case. Yeah, the 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 famous uh, the, the the famous the footage that always show is, is right. always being shown. Yeah, well, yeah, that was all kind of plausible deniability as far as, as far as I can determine. We have something more plausible coming up. With Gene and Chris and Kevin Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at Emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at Emberlit.com. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. When fresh liquid whey is processed into a dry powder, the special proteins that make up the whey lose their original shapes. They fold in on themselves and lose their functional value. One World Whey undergoes a technological enhancement that we believe restores these potent proteins back to their original shapes the body can use. I chose to try One World Whey first before going to a doctor who would likely only prescribe drugs. To my delight, it worked. After stabbing pain for years, to have it completely gone is a miracle. I'd like to also stress that for me, it took several months of taking One World Way before I had improvement and then an entire year for my gut to feel 100% healed. So now I tell my friends, give your body time to make use of the healing power of One World Way. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. In our final segment with Kevin Randall, we've been talking a lot about UFOs, trying to clear up the myths about the old cases, look at some new ones. Chris, we have any questions of Kevin at all left in the forums? We do, but it... Um, it- it's kind of related to uh, Kevin's book, Conversations, a study in hypnosis and past life regression. And it most specifically uh, asks about a woman that you call Jenny in the book. Yes. And uh, it wasn't Ka- Jenny on the block, right? No, it was one of the guys that uh, Tommy Two Tone tried to call. Yeah. Exit 75309. I walked into a tent in Baghdad, actually, I guess it was in Kuwait before we rolled up to Baghdad, oh, no. and, and said to one of the guys, one of the younger guys there, he just said, I said, Tunzevic, 8675309. He says, Jenny. <laughs> I was stunned that he knew the song. <laughs> right. Tommy Two-Tone. Yes. Okay. So, yes, I called her Jenny in the book. Yes. Right. In your opinion, is there a possibility that Jenny might have been expressing the onset of disassociative identity disorder? This is good. Have you talked to her since? Has she had any subsequent disturbances? Has she sought out medical help? And do you still consider reincarnation a valid possible explanation for her condition? Now, why don't you first give a quick thumbnail on the on her this case? This was a woman. This was a woman who approached, saying, thinking she had been abducted, and this was back when I was doing my some of my abduction research. So. I was interested in chatting with her, and I had a fellow that I knew who who was uh, trained in hypnosis, hypnotic regression, and we talked about how to do this so we weren't leading the subject at all, and he put her under hypnosis, I should say, and we were chatting with her uh, about what her experiences were, and we were getting the um, standard abduction, the beings around the, uh, the bed and the bright light. She said at some point, and then I died, and we go, What? So we explored that, and, and it, was, it became more of one of these, um, you know, I, I saw the light type things, one of these, uh, and why can't I think of the name of it? Uh, near-death experiences, near-death experiences. And so we, we began to explore that, not thinking it would go where it did. And, and under, under hypnotic regression, as he asked her to skip back to see how far we would go, uh, she ended up telling us these really horrific tales of past lives that she had been involved with. And at the time, we didn't have access to the internet the way we do today, so it'd be easy to call up this information and, and, and that sort of thing, which is not to say the information wasn't available, but she was telling horrific tales, and I was checking out as much as I could through libraries and whatnot, and she was very accurate in what was she, she was saying. So she talked about the Jack the Ripper crime. She talked about the Black Dahlia. She talked about these things in that horrific detail. And once we finished all of this investigation, she seemed to be a lot better. Uh, the nightmares had gone away, that, that she wasn't as anxious as she had been, that just sort of the, 
just talking to us about it seemed to allay her problems. I have not had any contact with her in, oh, good Lord, at least 15 years, maybe a, a bit longer. I, I know the problems with hypnotic regression. I understand about leading the subject and how simple it is. And we were very careful not to do that, be, being aware of these problems. We tried not to do that, not tried, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you ask the question, what happened next? Implies there's another event going on that happens next. You've got to be very careful in how you phrase your questions and that sort of thing. So she tells these horrific stories. It, it, it moved her out of the, um, the period of her life she was in. I mean, it, it, it ended the nightmares. It ended all that. Could the trauma have been uh, horror movies and things like that? I don't know. Could have well been. But uh, it, a very interesting case. I never have been able to make – to decide exactly how much was reality and how much was – the invention of her of her own mind, but she did seem to have access to information that would not have been easily available at the time we conducted this. So I, I really don't have a good answer for for that. If I look at it from a skeptical point of view, I have to say, well, apparently this was some kind of delusion that she got caught up in. And just by talking to the about the delusion and the, the work we were doing somehow broke it. And then she was no longer um, troubled by all of this sort of thing. And the uh, less skeptical side says, you know, but how did she come up with some of this information? How did she know some of these things were not readily available to the average person at this time? And I cannot see her going to the library and looking this stuff up uh, to come up with these with these horrific stories that she told. I mean, she's talking about things that almost nobody had heard of when she began talking about them. So the answer is, I really don't know. I just thought it was an interesting story. And uh, I wanted to do the book Conversations because I thought it was an interesting story. And I was kind of following the Len Stringfield philosophy, which is I've got this information. Maybe if I write it up, somebody will give me something that will help me resolve this particular aspect of it. Uh, <laughs> Careful what you wish for. But nobody, nobody has, and and, and I, I think it's. I I've always thought it was an interesting book, even if it was fiction. It was an interesting book. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of where we are. I I have no insights into it other than what is expressed in the book and the things that I, I learned by by researching the various aspects of what she was saying and the avenues that I went down in 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 that book. Well, okay. Very quickly, moving in the remaining two minutes or so to anything related to hypnosis. Do you think there are some real, meaning, unidentified, unexplained abductions out there? Personally, I think not. But that, I mean, that's personal based on my research and, and, and what, what Russ Estes and Bill Cohn and I did uh, in the abduction enigma. I have said, and I've said it to Catherine Martin, as a matter of fact, that if there were real abductions, I would expect them to be more like Barney and Betty Hill or Travis Walton rather than this ongoing thing coming into the bedrooms and taking people out. And in fact, I think I'm the first one that ever reported anything like that, which was a Saga magazine, I think, in 1976 with the Pat Roach case in near Provo, Utah. Utah in that area, Lehigh, American Fork area of, of Utah. I think now that that was a case of sleep paralysis that got blown out of proportion because the hypnotist I used there, James Harder, wasn't that good at it. But and 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 you look at the this um, numbers that they talk about. There's way 
that the logistics are just impossible, regardless of what you think of the alien capability. That number of spacecraft doing that number of abductions is just physically impossible. There may be a small core of, of, of credible cases. I don't know, but I think the vast majority of them have terrestrial explanations. There you go. Listeners, I think we've about wrapped it up with Kevin Randall. Kevin, can you tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do and just remind them briefly about your new book? The uh, blog spot is called A Different Perspective. You can type that in and it usually pops right up. It's at kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And the book is called Roswell in the 21st Century. And it is sort of a cold case investigation of the Roswell case, bringing in a lot of facts that weren't known before or were known but not publicized very well and kind of uh, puts the whole thing in, and I hesitate to say it, a different perspective. That was good. I like that. It just popped into my brain. <laughs> well, that's how things go. We'll find a psychic explanation for that yet. You can find us on Twitter. Look for The Paracast on Twitter. We don't do much in the way of tweets. I think what happened there is Donald Trump is so overwhelmed. Twitter, that there's no space for us anymore. That's what happened. We have two official Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. One is a community. One is a group. I don't know about the differences. I'm sure there are some, but we can't combine them without losing one. We also have another radio show we'd like you to hear. It's called After the Paracast. And what it is, what it is, that sounds almost like, no, I don't want to get there. What it is, is kind of a wrap-up show, color commentary. We sometimes have special guest interviews. And the only way for you to hear After the Paracast is to subscribe to the Paracast Plus at plus.thepowercast.com. We offer also the ad-free version of this show, free of 41 minutes of network ads, better quality audio, show transcripts, videos, more stuff coming for a low subscription fee, monthly, annual, five years, a lifetime, and we're going to be here forever. In fact, I have some new pills now that are keeping rats alive longer, so probably we'll take them. And we'll all become rats, but we'll stay here forever. Check plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Kevin Randall, thanks for joining us on the show this week. Thank you for the opportunity to spout off. <laughs> I love it. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>